Hello and welcome to Dimensions of Imagination, the anthology TV podcast. Wasn't ready. Sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I was ready. I've been ready. Okay. Uh, so this is the uh, anthology TV podcast where we talk about anthology TV shows. I'm Joey, and with me is Jackie. Hey. And this is episode 13 for us. Lucky 13, right? Yeah. You can hear the dog drinking water loudly in the background. <laughs> he chooses the worst moments to be loud. So thanks, thanks, dog. Uh, this episode, we get, we're getting started on a new series, well, new to us, that we haven't covered yet, which is uh, the Ray Bradbury Theater. And uh, Jackie, you want to give us a rundown of what that show is real quick? Sure. So for those of you who might live under a rock and not know who Ray Bradbury is, um, he's a science fiction writer. Um, worked actually in a variety of genres. So he did fantasy, science fiction, horror, mystery, realistic fiction. He wrote... Um, Fahrenheit 451, which I think is probably his most famous work. Yeah. Um, I have not ever read that, but... Yeah, I haven't read it either, but I've read a lot of his short stories. Yeah. He's known for his short stories as well, so... So, he took these um, short stories and decided that he was going to come up with his own television show, The Ray Bradbury Theater, Um and so all of the episodes are written by Bradbury and are based off of either one of his short stories or a novel. Um, why won't this? Um, so originally it aired for two seasons um, in Canada. And then... It ran for an HBO from 85 to 86 and then four additional seasons on the USA Network from 1988 to 92 and then again in 91 to 94. So it kind of like had a run and then would stop. Oh, I didn't realize that. I thought it was like in the early 80s or something. Um, So originally it was, yeah, 85 to 86 and then USA picked it up from 88 to 92 so it started in the mid 80s and then what was the first year was 85 85 and then it would go away and come back on it said um it aired from 85 to 86 on hbo then four additional seasons on usa from 88 to 92 and on global television network in canada from 95 (coughs) to 94 so six seasons total okay Cool. And uh, yeah, Ray Bradbury's a, you know, influential writer, influenced Stephen King and a lot of other writers um, that aren't much younger than him, or he was. Uh, when did he pass away? Did you look that up? I can, if you'll okay, fill in. To... Uh, so he passed away in 2012. Okay, so not too long ago. But he's one of the most celebrated 20th century American writers. Yeah, uh, he tends to like his his science fiction writing is horrific uh, in a way. Like, there's horror elements in his science. It's like dark science fiction in a lot of ways. Uh, it's very like uh, twisted and kind of uh, horrible things happen to people in it, and and I like that. <laughs> He's like very influenced by Jules Verne and H.G. Wells, and yeah, uh, there's a lot of kind of adventure type things in his in his work too, but. Uh, yeah, I think that Stephen King was highly, highly um, you know, respected him as a peer. And um, the notable thing about every episode, or at least at the beginning, um, each episode would begin with Bradbury in his office. And 
um, there's all these mementos of his life, and then he gives a short narrative, and the memento ties into what the story is going to be. Yeah, he's in his like actual office, I think, and it's just a mess, which made me feel better about my messy office. But it's got uh, he's got the twenty thousand leagues in the sea from the Disney movie, like one of the models on his desk. Uh, I wonder if it's one of the actual models from the movie or something. But um, yeah, it's kind of charming how he inter- he inter- uh, introduces the episode, and it's him, you know, and he's like. The, that, the beginning of the episodes are the only things that like I remembered about Ray Bradbury Theater from when I was little. Like, uh, never, I didn't know you watched it before. I mean, I think I've seen it on TV like yeah. once, but I don't remember anything other than the opening. I actually thought that the opening to Ray Bradbury Theater was the opening to Amazing Stories. Uh, well, there's a part in the opening of Amazing Stories that kind of looks like there's books flying out of an office or something. I think that yeah. kind of like it's sort of... I, I could see where you made that connection. Somehow in my childhood brain I, memory, I combined the beginning of this and the Pumpkins episode from Amazing Stories, and that's what my memory was of Pumpkins. Well, there's like a darkness to his stories that are kind of similar to the darker episodes of Amazing Stories. I, he probably, he may have written some of the episodes of Amazing Stories. I have no idea. I know a lot of his work was ad- ad- adapted uh, to a lot of things. Uh, he's a pretty prolific writer. Um, so this is, uh, what is the episode that we're doing for this? Um, so we are doing A Sound of Thunder, which is uh, season three, episode six. Original release date was August 11th, 89. Okay. See, it said season four when we looked it up on Peacock. Well, I, I went off of IMDb. No, no. I, I think that they have them listed weird because like season one on Peacock is like three episodes and mm-hmm. season two is three episodes. Yeah. So I'm wondering if like the way it was originally broadcast was... Mm-hmm in more seasons or something, but it doesn't matter. Just, I'm just clarifying for people that might want to watch um, it. That was um, off the, of IMDb's listing with season three, episode six. Well, that's why we'll list it. But if you can't find it on the Peacock app, it's there. Just look through the different seasons and look for uh, sound of thunder. I chose this one because it is a uh, one. I, I believe I keep bringing up Stephen King, but I think Stephen King said this is one of his favorite short stories of all time. And I think he called it a class, like just a perfect masterpiece of a short story. Uh, I was familiar with the subject matter, but uh, you were not, and it was interesting to see how it was adapted, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I think this is one of the more well-regarded episodes of this show. Uh, So we'll do, uh, is there any backstory on the the short story that you needed to bring up before I talk about the synopsis? No, but can I finish talking about the director and all of that? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this episode was obviously written by Ray Bradbury, directed by Costa Boats, Costa <clears throat> Boat or Botez, who was the camera operator for the making of Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring documentary. Oh. So hmm. I guess he filmed the documentary while they were filming the movie. Oh, okay. Um, in addition, he has directed three other Bradbury theater episodes. Um, our cast is uh, Kyle Martin. Um, he plays our main character, Eccles. Um, he's most famous for playing a detective on Hill Street Blues. Okay. Which is a popular television yeah. show. Also, fun fact, his ex-wife, Claudia, is Dean Martin's daughter. Oh. So. Wow. Um, and then we have John Bache, uh, who plays Travis, who is the, you'll get into this, but he is the man who works for this tourist company. He's the guide, yeah. Um, he plays a character in Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and Lord of the Rings Return of the King named Madril, or Madril, um, is a character in the movie, but not an actual character in the book. Okay. Um, and then just a couple of 
random actors playing the other agents and the hunter. Um, um, but the, uh, from what I read, the, um, short story is almost identical to the synopsis of this story. Okay. Yeah. That's what um, I remember it being. And too. they, um, this short story is often taught in schools. So yeah. when you, probably high school level. Yeah. It's, it's a really well written thing. It's very concise and gets to the point. Uh, so you ready for the synopsis now? Mm-hmm. The synopsis is that we're in the future, but not too distant of a future. Uh, it is a slight bit dystopian, but there's still society and and, and et cetera. Um, it, at the beginning of the episode, we are it's revealed that a certain person has won the presidency, and then uh, that's talked about a little bit in the beginning. Uh, we have Eccles. That's his name, Eccles. Mm-hmm. Eccles is clearly this rich man, and he uh, goes into this place called Time Safari. I believe that's what it's called, mm-hmm. and it's basically a place where you can go back in time. This po- posits that that humans have invented time travel. You can go back in time to hunt uh, extinct animals, and um, that's you know it costs a lot of money. It's only for the rich and et cetera. And he's there because he is some, you know, he considers himself a, a, a hunter. And he signs up. He's kind of rude to the front staff. So we get right away, we see this guy's kind of like a hothead and kind of a, a blowhard. And then um, he signs up and he goes into the, the, the sort of briefing room and he meets Travis, the mm-hmm. guide, who's going to be his like safari guide. And then we have some other characters that are going with them, which I assume those are just other safari goers they're just listed as agents i think they i I got the pressure that they were like paid that they paid to go to but maybe they are workers too and he was the only paid person but uh it's it's established from travis that this guy he goes through his like file or something he's like oh you've hunted all these like endangered species it's highly illegal and it's like it shows you that this guy doesn't really have uh i guess morals or something uh scruples and there's tension between this guide and the guy already because the, the the guide has obviously seen some stuff and he knows that this guy is just kind of pretending to be this great hunter and he's not really. So they uh, they go back in time and the goal here is to hunt a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Like he's his dream. It's the you can imagine it being the the thing that any hunter would want to hunt is the greatest you know one of the greatest animals that ever walked the earth. Mm-hmm. So they go back in time. Uh, and when they go back in time, they, uh, Travis establishes some rules. There's a path that is made by this organization and you are not to stray from the path, uh, because he says that, that it could have grave consequences for the future. Obviously something happens in the past it could change the future. And he describes like what could happen, uh, basically that, you know, whole, whole people could be wiped out. Like whole races of people could be wiped out because someone stepped on a mouse, a, a mouse. um, it's kind of touching on the butterfly effect, which is, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings across the world and it makes a hurricane, you know, on the other side of the world. Um, and so they go into this thing and he warns them very clearly not to walk off the path. And he tells them that this, they only choose animals that are going to die anyway. And there's this elaborate process that they screen animals and figure out which ones. And so he's already gone back and found a T-Rex for them. They see the T-Rex and uh, are, are, Big bold hunter Eccles gets scared because it's super loud. That's where the sound of thunder comes from. Is uh, it's really loud, and um, it lay down. 
So Eccles gets scared. He steps off the path, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, uh, what's going to happen? Travis is upset about it. They argue a bit, and finally they kill this T-Rex, and Eccles it kind of still showing that there are rules to this. He makes them get their bullets out, particularly uh, Eccles, who has like, just wildly fired into this thing after he got scared. And then they go back to the ship, and they go home, and when they arrive back home, they realize, uh, surprise, uh, Eccles has stepped on a... Ma, a butterfly, which has changed the future. Now some someone else is the president, and it seems like this guy is some sort of dictator, and everyone is speaking German now, and they're dressed in vaguely Nazi-ish uh, uniforms. And uh, the end of the episode, we we Travis kills uh, Eccles. Uh, the t- I f- I remember that being this plot of the story, but I thought the ending was a little more. Um, impactful in the story than in in this episode but i think that's because there's you can do more describing of what people are thinking and um mm-hmm. it, it's also this is a 30 minute episode these the episode is 30 minutes they don't have very long to tell the story um right so anyway that's the that's the summary did i, did I miss anything i, think I don't think good. so mm-hmm. um <clears throat> and yeah so it's like I guess the sound of thunder probably references the whole like butterfly flapping its wings and making a hurricane on the other side of the world. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like, but also the sound of the, the dinosaur. It's a really creative concept. It's like, what would happen if we went back in time and changed one thing causes all these things to happen and, and put, you know, put that through the lens of like, what if you could pay to go back to hunt these animals? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, it's a common theme, I think in, science fiction in general like the concept of going back in time and changing even the slightest thing and then you come back to the present and everything has changed yeah it's it's so prevalent in science fiction that like science fiction magazines won't accept time travel stories usually because mm. everybody wants to tell a time travel story but this one's so concise and simple that it just is it's really well done um uh i guess what are your what were your thoughts on the episode so i got a little annoyed with the fact that like they're setting all these rules in place and then like the second that they shoot the dinosaur they make him go dig the bullets out so then he has to step off the like i think that that was more eloquently told in the story and also like we have to see it in the show not in the story like yeah. i think that like <clears throat> there's an explanation for that that I do appreciate that we always talk about this when we talk about movies and stuff. I appreciate that there are rules mm-hmm. and they seem to adhere to them except for that stepping off the path again to get the bullets out. It does seem like a little bit like, wow, it's a lot of suspension of disbelief. Like they shot a bunch of bullets in there and we're going to dig all these bullets out. And what about the bullets that flew past the thing and didn't that landed in the dirt? Did they go find those too? Right. But we kind of have to like set that aside or we just ruin the story. You know, you just have to kind of go with it. And, yeah. um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, but uh, yeah, this one feels like it could have benefited from maybe a little bit more time. Usually, I'm about being short, but this one seems like it it needed a little, it needed more establishment of who this president is and who the mm-hmm. dictator that could be president is and why that's bad and this and that because it's clearly in like in the short story you feel like oh no this is a horrible thing mm-hmm. that's happened this person is is in charge but in the in the show you're kind of like oh uh, I don't they're speaking German but I don't yeah. know what is bad about this. Like, you know, I thought that the special effects were very decent for yeah. the eighties. Um, the, the time diamond. machine was like impressive mm-hmm. and like, wow, somebody made that. 
Um, the dinosaur was all right. I mean, for the 80s, I think. I thought the dinosaur was really good for an 80s. This is pre-Jurassic Park. You know, this is like, mm-hmm. the dinosaur was very well done in a way that like, yeah, it looks kind of hokey if you look at it too closely, but for a TV, made for TV, 80s, low budget thing, mm-hmm. it, it is actually pretty good. The only problem is I feel like it wasn't scary enough to make you go right. like in the, in the short story, Eccles is terrified. Like he just, mm-hmm. he can't move. And then that's why he just like, he eventually steps back and steps off the path. Cause he's just terrified. I feel like they needed to do more with the sound too. Like they needed like an extremely loud, the roar is what scares him. Yeah. You know, not seeing the dinosaur, but hearing the, that's why it's, you know, sound of thunder is like this. And again, I'm, I'm trying to remember this from reading the story, but yeah. um, it's, it wasn't impactful enough, I guess, but mm-hmm. it wasn't bad. It was just yeah. Well, I thought that the sound of thunder was literally the thunder that started a like before they went in the spaceship, so I didn't even equate the. Uh, I mean, I guess I didn't that's, equate it with the roar. That's it to you, yeah. That's it. I didn't notice that there was thunder before they went in the ship. So. Um, how do you feel about him shooting uh, Eccles in the end? Uh, it seemed like a not earned. That's why, like mm-hmm. again. You have to the you have the stakes have to be high to have this guy be like I have to kill you because you've you've ruined the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like he needed to take him back in time and not step on the thing or something. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think that that's supposed to show the weight of like what he has done. He has done mm-hmm. something so horrific that this guy is like this. He doesn't deserve to live. Yeah. But we don't get that feeling from we don't really know who this dictator is. We get nothing mm-hmm. about him other than like he's mentioned. That's right. it. So. Um, this was remade too into a full length movie. I don't know if you saw that uh, in your notes or not, but it, it I think it's 2012 or 15 or something. Hmm. And I, apparently they changed a lot of it and it's just not good, oh. but <laughs> I have not seen it. Uh, I think Colin Farrell might be in it, but I'm not wow. positive about that. I probably should have looked that up, but um, yeah, it was, it was, uh, did you watch it? No, I just saw, I was like, oh, that's, I didn't, I didn't know that they had made a movie out of that. And, um, no, I didn't watch it, but I read hmm. the, the Wikipedia article on it, I think. 2005? Oh, yeah, it's Ben Kingsley's ben in Kingsley's it. Ben Kingsley's yeah. in it. Yeah. Edward Burns. Yeah. And Edward Burns. Is in, yeah. Hmm. It seems interesting that you would make a complete film out. Like it's too short. For 30 minutes, and but it's too long for... Too long um, for whatever. The, like, uh, two hours would be too long. It's probably two yeah. hours because it's a modern film. So, hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I think they take the charming parts out of it and try to make it, like, you know, accessible to your action movie goer. Yeah. <clears throat> well, in 90... Oh, it's 2005. Never mind. I was going to say it's oh, coming... Oh, it's 2005? Right, okay, yeah, yeah, I was like, it's coming right off the hill of... Jurassic Park, but that's not true because that was 93, not 2003. Yeah. <laughs> Dates got messed up. Um, Do you have any other trivia for this episode? The only thing I found is that it's spoofed in a Simpsons Treehouse of Horror. Oh, in, yeah. From 1994. Cool. So. Yeah. It's a, it's a deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> um, So I guess if you don't have anything else, I mean, we can. Um, I just like, you know, uh, Ray Bradbury has these like, like I said, his sci-fi is kind of twisted and kind of like, this one's not horrific or anything, but there's a dark edge to it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, this horrible thing happened and now the world is screwed up because of this. Yeah. A lot of his stuff is like that. Um, 
and that's what I like about his writing. I'm not an expert on him or anything, um, but I I like that sort of his. I always say that I like media that has stakes in it. Like mm-hmm. you know, things bad things can happen, and a lot of his stuff has stakes. You know, high stakes. So. I wonder if there's just the slightest bit of social commentary in here too about like big game hunting. Oh, there is. I think. I think there's. I think it's about that and like the recklessness of what someone does with their wealth mm-hmm. and sort of like how if someone's selfish, they can hurt society, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because if we contrast the, the hunter, we, we contrast Eccles with the, the guide. The guide is doing this because it's his job and he's, he's, it's difficult. It's a difficult job and he's, jaded and makes it clear that this could go really badly when i think he's seen it he says people have been murdered like doing this yeah so right yeah so it's i don't know it's it's interesting i thought it was an interesting little story and i'm excited to see the next one we do um but yeah i I think it's the the benefit of this series is that ray bradbury it's he he's all much like with uh, Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone, mm-hmm. Ray Bradbury is all over this. It's like his his thing, and I assume yeah. he didn't have too much interference from people. He's like, this is how we're going to do it, and he yeah. wrote scripts and everything like that. So it's kind of pure in a way, uh, and I appreciate that. So It did say that occasionally he would like combine elements from a few different stories into one story, but overall it was very much based solely on one short story. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So do you have a idea of what you would rate this one? What is our ratings from one to five? One to no, ten. one to ten. What if, oh, man. I think I'd give this like an eight. I don't know. i give it an eight because of the atmosphere and because of the good special effects for what it is. I think I'm probably overrating it a little bit because the story is so good, mm-hmm. but um, I'm not sure the execution was that great, so it might be more of like a seven, but. Yeah. I would say this is an eight for me. I think I'm going to go with more like a five, six, but also knowing that I hadn't read the short, I haven't read the short story. So yeah. Um, I might have a different view of it if I had not read that. Um, I think it's, it's a good plot and it's done well for what it is, but yeah, overall it just doesn't interest like the, I'm not big on time travel. You know, this, I like time travel stuff. Um, so I think it it's cool. just, bends my brain in a way that my i can't process so um so you're going with six i think so that's fine it's not terrible it's a good story and it's done well for what it is but the good thing is if you don't like it it doesn't last very long so but um, also you rate more based on uh tech thing like the technical aspects of the episode whereas i rate more on the how much I like the episode and how much attachment I have to it. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I respect like the craft of these things. And I also like the, um, I kind of rate them based on the vibe too, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the, the ambiance, the feeling of it. You yeah. Know? And this one had a good vibe to it. You know? I also don't have any recollection of like, I've had an idea of what the all other three series are and having watched a lot of black mirror and twilight zone and even just remembering amazing stories from when i was little and this one i really don't like i haven't read the bradbury short stories and i don't really remember this from childhood so i'm like kind of trying to go on a hmm. blank 
like I don't know I don't know how to rate because I'm like oh I you know before I'd be like I know that there are ones that I like more so I'm like oh well what if I do end up liking an episode better than this and then I rated this one high and yeah it's hard to say but I mean we've got to start somewhere so it's like yeah. I think that's fine. So I give it an eight. You gave it a six. Um, what's our next episode that we're going to do? Um, so we are going to do, based on, I believe, IMDb's uh, episode count. count. Yeah. Um, episode two, oh no, season two, episode one, uh, The Town Where No One Got Off, featuring none other than Jeff Goldblum. Oh, Okay. Great. I love Jeff Goldblum. Picked him for you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> once again, these are on Peacock. That's what we're watching them on in 2021. But uh, if you cannot find episodes based on the way they have them ordered, just look through them and you'll find it. Uh, I, I assume they're all in there. So Yeah. I don't have any reason to think that they're not. Yeah. Uh, there's can be weird naming things between HBO and USA. There's other shows that have a problem mm-hmm. with that. So. <clears throat> um, okay. Well, do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up? No. Uh Email us at dimensionsofimagination at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter with a very dormant Twitter yeah. at DOI Podcast. Yeah. Email us to let us know if you like the episode and uh, what you thought. And uh, we'll see you next time, I guess. We're out. Bye. Bye.